What's up? How you guys doing tonight? Hey, we come bearing gifts. Joel Ryder came with me from Iowa City. Joel, come on out. Joel's got some gifts. Who wants some gifts? Here's some gifts. There we go. Who doesn't want free stuff? Look at Iowa City has come with some gifts. There it is. Come on. Come on. Let's go. All right, give it up for Joel. There we go. Who doesn't want free things? I mean, t-shirts, stickers, CDs, the whole thing. Awesome. My name is Mark Aaron. I can't wait to hang out with you guys. Um, this is super fun. I was um, praying with Joel before we were walking up the hill, and all these memories came, in, came flooding back to me from four years ago. We met in that little room up at the top of the hill. I think it was the first ever salt retreat up in Minnesota. Who was on that? Was anyone in this room there? Okay, anyone in this crowd? I see, uh, okay, yep, we got three in the back. Colin was there, Isaac was there, Corn was there. You guys, um, it wasn't, isn't that cool to think about? Like just, uh, we, we saw this little group of leaders, there were probably like 12 of them, and uh, some of them had transferred here, recent graduates, some people uh, that, that started this, this whole thing, and they were praying and trembling and just saying, Jesus, we want you to do something. And here we are four years later, and just to fill up this, this gym, um, it, it's this, um, surely the kingdom of God is among us. And what a privilege it is to be a part of something amazing that God is doing. Um, our theme for this retreat is stay salty, friends. Stay salty, right? Jesus said, you are the salt of the earth. And, and um, you know that back in the day, uh, salt was like a preserving element. They would use it as a preservative to, to keep the meat from rotting or whatever. So, so it's like you are living in a, in a culture that's kind of decaying. It's a, it's a culture and a country of death. And guess what? You are, Salt Company. You are like a colony of heaven in a country of death. And when you go out into the world, you become the preserving element in the world to, to bring about good news and joy and peace and love into a world that's hurting and angry and broken and sad. And, and that's, what, that's what we are. We're salt. And so we're asking the question uh, this weekend, what does it mean to stay salty? Jesus says in Matthew, in Matthew 5, this was his famous sermon, the Sermon on the Mount. He said, you are the salt of the earth. He goes, but if the salt loses its saltiness, what good is it except to be thrown out? This is Matthew 5, 13. And, and so that's, that's the thing. We don't want to lose our saltiness. And we're going to talk um, tonight about, about staying salty and what that means. And we couldn't have had a better song to set it up than that song we just sang. And that's definitely got to go on the, the playlist in Iowa City. We're taking notes here. Um, and the other thing is uh, Saturday morning, tomorrow morning, we're talking about uh, being salty, that it's to be a people of truth and grace. And then tomorrow night, we're going to see what saltiness looks like in real life. 
um, a modern-day story of, of a person that is salty and, and learning from that. So that's kind of where we're going. Um, if you have a Bible, you can open to Luke chapter 10. And uh, as you're doing that, I want to give a little bio, just kind of who I am. Let's see if I can do this in a minute or so. Uh, we're on a retreat, so a minute, uh, who knows how long that is. Uh, we've thrown away our clocks. We're just, uh, we're in it to win it. Strap it in. Uh, here's a picture of the summer of 1999. This is like August of 99. I got engaged. This is, is that cool? This is engaged. This is like before social media, so we didn't post this anywhere. Um, so just, yeah, here it is. Uh, we got engaged. This is um, in the summer of 99. And we got married. We, we dated. By this time, we had dated three months. We were engaged for four months, and then we were married. I mean, I, I think some people, uh, they date to marry. Um, we married to date. You know what I mean? So we kind of did that backwards. Um, but anyway, it's, I don't know. I, it worked for us. Like, I don't know if it's like, don't try this at home, but uh, it's great. It's been an awesome time. Um, this next picture, next picture, that's our family. Um, in uh, 2010, we, we packed up. So this is like 11 years after that first engagement picture. And then we just had kids every other year throughout a whole decade. Um, the 2000s, like 2001, 2003, 5, 7, 9, that's how I remember my kids' birthdays. Um, and there's five kids. We, this is after we said uh, a couple of the pastors at Cornerstone Church, Jeff Dodge, Troy Nesbitt, sat me down. I was leading Salt Company in Ames at the time. And they said, hey, what would you think about going and, and planting uh, a church in Iowa City? And we'll, we'll try to do the first ever salt company outside of Ames, and um, I prayed about it, long story, um, can tell you about it for another time, another retreat, um, but said, all right, let's do it. Um, felt like Jesus was inviting me into a journey, and um, this next picture is our family from a couple years ago. Um, it's super hard to get a picture of our family, because it's like it's like capturing like a solar eclipse, you know, like all the pieces have to come together just right. So this is a couple years old, but it's the best I could come up with. So um, yeah, my daughter Ava on the far right, she's, uh, she's, it's, she's it goes to Salt Company in Iowa City. Uh, my son Cameron, um, he's 18. I have a 16, whatever. There's a dog. Um, it's... Yeah, I, I don't remember what grades my kids are in and all that, but my wife knows, and um, it's all good. Um, I, so for me as a kid, one thing about me is I spent a lot of my time and my life uh, acquiring a skill that is not useful for anything except these kinds of introductions, and this is the next picture when I was little. Um, I was super into skateboarding. That was my life was skateboarding, uh, spent my life at the skate park. We actually built this ramp in my backyard. And, um, and this is the next picture. This is me. Um, that was like a few years ago at the Ames Skate Park. That's one thing I miss about Ames is the park. And the only, the only useful thing that that skill brings 
is um, to just show a picture to a bunch of college students and, and try to, I don't know, flex on a bunch of college <laughs> students. And so that's all it's good for. Um, but anyway, um, so that's me. I'm down at uh, Veritas Church in Iowa City. I'm one of the pastors there, and it's been a fun journey. Drew Stevenson is one of my best friends. We talk all the time. Love this church. This church has a special place in my heart, and I love all your staff, and I'm excited to just get to hang out with you guys. Um, like, I hope you know you can approach me, and I'm just here to get to know you guys. So if you want to talk about something that I say or don't understand something or something that you're working through, like just come up to me and talk to me and, and uh, would love to get to know you guys. So um, yeah, we're talking about staying salty and we're in Luke 10. And I want to, this is a familiar passage. I want to read verses, um, start out verses one through three, Luke chapter 10. Also, if you're new to the Bible, uh, don't feel bad about um, having to go to the beginning and look at the, in the table of contents. It lists the, the books there, and you'll find Luke in the New Testament. It's like one of the first books in the New Testament. The reason I'm sensitive to this, last night uh, my kids were at youth group, or Wednesday night, and they came home and they're like, Dad, I felt really bad there was a kid sitting next to me, and his Bible was still like, had the cellophane wrap around it, and he was too embarrassed to like open it up when they told him to open the Bible because he didn't know where to go. And so really, uh, there's no shame. And if you're new to this, um, table of contents, also, you know, on your phone apps, it may be a little easier to find it. But we're in Luke chapter 10. This is one of the gospels about Jesus' life. Uh, and it says, after this, the Lord appointed 72 others and he sent them ahead of him in pairs to every town and place where he himself was about to go. He told them, the harvest is abundant, but the workers are few. Therefore, pray to the Lord of the harvest to send out workers into his harvest. Now go. I am sending you out like lambs among wolves. Okay, so Jesus is sending his disciples on a mission trip. And he's saying, there's this huge need in the world. There's a huge need on your campus. There's this massive harvest. There's like millions of acres of corn and there's like one little combine and maybe a few people like picking it by hand. And he's like, what we need are more people to jump into the harvest field. The harvest is the people that need to hear the gospel, that are ready to hear the gospel. The harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. And then he says, I'm sending you out as lambs among wolves. This idea that you guys are going to face some opposition, some pushback. There's going to be hostility. But he goes on to say, but this message you are carrying, that the kingdom of God, you're announcing that the kingdom of God has come near. Like, you know how we say the kingdom of God is at hand. It's like, the kingdom of God is as close to you as your hand. It's like, it's right there. The rule of King Jesus has rolled up into your town. And that's what the disciples are announcing. And so that verse two is pray, ask the Lord of the harvest to send out workers into the harvest field. Now at this point, you might think you know where this is going, 
if you've been around Salt Company for a while, you've heard of the whole 1002 thing, right? Salt, we are a family on mission. Make disciples, plant churches, set your alarm for 1002. Let's ask Jesus to raise up workers to go into the harvest field. Okay, we love our campuses. We love the mission. We love church planning, but that's not where we're going tonight. And that's not where Jesus goes. When the disciples return, I'm going to skip most of this chapter and we're going to go down to verse 17. So the disciples go out, incredible things happen, and they come back to Jesus. Look at verse 17. So the 72 returned with joy. So all the people that he sent out come back with joy. And here's what they're saying. Lord, even the demons submit to us in your name. You know what they're saying? Everything you said would happen did happen. Demons submitted to us. Miracles, signs, wonders, it's amazing. Ministry was rocking out there, Jesus. We saw revival happen. I mean, could you imagine if a demon submitted to you? Like, you'd probably be talking about it, telling people about it, making videos about it. Look at this amazing thing that God did. Some of you have experienced miracles and signs and wonders, and like, you're a part of this, and this is cool. I think about um, that little kid that was on that skate ramp that I showed you a picture of. This little insecure 12-year-old kid, you know, that, that didn't ever want to go to youth group, was, was like afraid to talk in front of people, shy, bashful, all those things. And I remember, I remember having this conversation with my mom after, in that time, God started to get a hold of my life. And I told my mom, I still remember where we were, I'm from Omaha, and we're 96 in Blondo, and we're coming down the hill and I'm like mom okay I might be willing to give my life to Jesus and do anything for him but there's two things that I will never do I will never talk in front of people and I will never sing in front of people ironically those were my first two jobs in ministry it was a salt worship leader and then uh here I am uh all these years later and in 95 I remember um, going to Iowa State and a girl from youth group invited me to this little campus ministry called the Salt Company. It wasn't super little. I mean, it was uh, a few hundred people. It was about this size, the Salt Company in Ames when I went in 95. So pretty good sized group. Um, and I think about that just showing up as a freshman, like some of you guys are here. And you know that whole thing on, nah, I don't know if I should go, I don't know anyone, whatever. All of a sudden, I ended up in this group, Saul Company, and I just, like, God continued to transform my life and came, went on staff um, in 99, started on staff, led worship, got involved in the, uh, Cornerstone, was a new church plant. Um, in 2010, they're like, do you want to go to Iowa City? Um, we went to Iowa City, and all of a sudden, all these people started showing up. We ended up um, planting a church in Cedar Rapids, a city just north of Iowa City, and that church just exploded. I see someone, come on, represent from Cedar Rapids. All right. Um, 
And uh, it, it just like that church exploded um, in growth. And then in 2016, I think Drew came to me and is like, Mark, I feel like God is calling me to plant a church in Minnesota. And so in 2017, Drew uh, and the gang, um, Isaac and all the crew that, that came up to help, help plant um, Salt City Church and a team went out at the same time to, uh, to plant a church in churches in China. And now that team is in Taiwan or Thailand and Taiwan. Like what I'm saying to you is Jesus is doing this and it's amazing to be a part of it. And it makes sense that the disciples would come back and be like, Jesus, do you see this? Jesus, do you see Salt Company up here in Minnesota? Do you see that people are coming to know Jesus? Like miracles are happening. Lives are being transformed. And listen to what Jesus says. Verse 18. He said to them, I watched Satan fall from heaven like lightning. Okay, okay. I don't know what you're talking about. Verse 19, look, I have given you authority to trample on snakes and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy. Nothing at all will harm you. Here's what I think Jesus is saying here. I think he's saying, hey, disciples, I get it. I get your excitement for seeing Satan destroyed. In fact, I think he's saying, hey, I was there when Satan was cast out of heaven. Like, you think that was cool? Like, I was there when it went down. And I have authority over Satan. And it is amazing when you see God exert his power over the evil forces in the world. But I think he's saying, don't be proud. Don't let your heart get proud. Like I, you saw some demons, I saw Satan. Don't let yourself get puffed up spiritual, with spiritual pride. But also he says, I've given you authority, verse 19. I think he's saying also, don't fear. That's good. But listen to what he says in verse 20, because this is amazing. However, Jesus says, don't rejoice that the spirits submit to you, but rejoice that your names are written in heaven. Wait, what? Wait a minute. Don't rejoice that the spirits submit to you. Don't, wait, you're saying, don't rejoice about all this amazing stuff that just happened? Your kingdom coming? How can Jesus say, don't rejoice over this? It's like coming back and we're like, Jesus, the retreat was awesome. You should see what God's doing in Salt Company. He's like, oh, don't rejoice in that. That doesn't make sense. Listen to how the message translation uh, says it. It says all the same, the great triumph is not in your authority over evil, but in God's authority over you 
and his presence with you. It's not what you do for God, but what God does for you. That's the agenda for rejoicing. Here's what I think Jesus knows. I think Jesus sees the book of Acts is coming. The Holy Spirit's going to come upon these little average disciples and miracles are going to happen. Churches are going to be planted. Movements are going to start. The gospel is going to go to the ends of the earth. Gyms are going to be filled. Stadiums are going to be filled. And I think Jesus is preparing them for the success that's coming upon them. And what he's telling them is there's something far greater than ministry success. And all the things you'll do for God, there's something better than that. And here's the better thing. Your name is written in heaven. That's the miracle to rejoice in. Not seeing a lame, you know, someone who can't walk all of a sudden stand up and start jumping around. That's cool. But when that person's name gets written in heaven, that's the miracle. Your own salvation is the greatest of all the miracles you will ever experience in this life. Your name is written in the book of life. Revelation 21, 27 says, only those written in the Lamb's book of life will enter heaven. Revelation 21, 27. So the question tonight is, how do you get your name in this book? Romans 10, 9 and 10. There's so many verses we could go to, but Romans 10, 9 and 10. says, if you believe in your heart that Jesus is Lord, and you confess with if you believe, if you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord, and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Okay? Salvation comes from confessing that Jesus Christ is your Lord and your Savior. And you believe in your heart that, that God raised Jesus from the dead. He died on the cross for your sins. He was buried in the tomb. He was raised on the third day, and you believe that. You will be saved. Ephesians 3, 7, Paul, the apostle Paul, is, is telling about his own testimony. He says, he says, I became a servant of this gospel by the gift of God's grace given to me through the working of his power. I think if you were to ask Paul, how did you become a Christian? He's like, it's a miracle. It is a miracle through his grace through his power. There was this um, evangelist, his name was A.B. Simpson, and some of you guys are familiar with uh, the Christian Missionary Alliance. It's a, it's a denomination. I grew up in a, in a CMA church. Uh, there's a lot of them in, in Minnesota. Um, is Crown College, that's still around, right? Uh, Crown is a, a CMA uh, uh, college, and uh, A.B. Simpson was an evangelist. He kind of started this whole thing um, but he had this, uh, he had this uh, Native American guy that traveled around with him on his evangelistic crusades and stuff. And this, uh, 
this group of people asked uh, this Native American uh, guy how he became a Christian. And so he, he gathered a bunch of leaves and he, he made a circle with the leaves. And he found a little, he kind of dug up a worm and he, he put the worm in the middle of the leaves. And then he lit the leaves on fire. And as this ring of leaves started on fire, the worm was like going, trying to find a way out. And pretty soon it just went to the center and kind of curled up, just waiting to die as the leaves moved closer and closer in. And we're going to burn up the worm. And then he reached down and he picked up the worm. And he said, that's how I got saved. When somebody is saved by grace, it is such a miracle. Salt, who are we? We are a people in awe of who Jesus is and what he has done for us. This gospel of grace that we are loved by God, we are a people that Jesus loves so much that he adopted and freed. We have an inheritance. So it's this, this statement that Jesus makes here, it's, it's so subtle, but it's so important for us to remember verse 20. Don't rejoice that the spirits submit to you. Rejoice that your names are written in heaven. There are so many ways that we can lose sight of Jesus in our Christian walk. Remember the church in Galatia, many of the letters in the New Testament are written to churches who are like wandering away from Jesus. Remember Galatia, they started off with the gospel, but then they're like, okay, we're saved by grace, but the discipleship thing, that's on us. And so they fell away from Jesus. What about the church in Ephesus? The church in Ephesus, they believed the right things, but they ended up losing their first love in Revelation 2. What about us? How could we lose the gospel? You know what I think the danger is for us? I think the danger for us, Salt Company, is that we forget the gospel in the middle of all this gospel success, in the middle of this growing movement that we are a part of called the Salt Company. Jesus is doing work. And here's my fear for us. My fear is that we've got all the, the stickers and swag and, and everything and the t-shirts and the hype videos and the promos and all the things, right? And, and we've got this kind of hype train that's left the station. It's like, I want to jump on the hype train and here it goes, right? The Salt Company hype train. What I'm telling you, don't get on the hype train. This is not about Salt Company. Some of you are going to go. I just got a text before this on WhatsApp. My friend Winard Chibale, he, he texted a picture of his church. He's like, this is Chisomo, the church Chisomo. 
that nobody will ever know about in Zambia, somewhere deep in the bush of Zambia, Chisomo Church. They don't know about Salt Company. They don't care about Salt Company, right? Some of you guys are going to go, you're going to graduate, and you're going to be a part of a church, like serving Jesus in a small town with a group of people that love Jesus, and they don't know what Salt Company is, right? And that's awesome. Because this whole thing, it's not about the ministry success and the hype. What we want for you is John 17, 3. This is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. This is what it means to be salt. It's to know Jesus Christ and to rejoice that he knows you and your name is written in heaven and you are not going to be one of those people in Matthew 7 that shows up and he says, uh, depart from me, I never knew you. No, eternal life is that you know Jesus. That's what we are hyped about. Not this great movement on university campuses, which is awesome. We love planting the next church. But you guys know what I'm talking about. And this quote was helpful for me. It was before I went to Morocco, my sophomore year uh, of college. And we had to read this book, Let the Nations Be Glad by John Piper. And this paragraph was like a Copernican revolution in my mind. Listen to this. Here it is. Missions. I wish I could say it like Piper. Because revival would break out if I could just do it like him. Missions is not the ultimate goal of the church. Worship is. Missions exists because worship doesn't. Worship is ultimate, not missions. Because God is ultimate, not man. When this age is over and the countless millions of the redeemed fall on their faces before the throne of God, missions will be no more. It is a temporary necessity, but worship abides forever. Evangelism, missions, church planning, those things will be no more in heaven, but worship Jesus Christ, that's forever. I remember being a part of the staff meeting when Troy Nesbitt, um, he kind of started the whole Salt Network thing, just, just an amazing guy. He came back from this mission trip to Albania, and he was with these, these past Albanian pastors, and all their alarms went off at 10.02, and he's like, um, what's going on? He said, and they said, this is a reminder to pray at 10.02, the Luke 10.2 prayer that God would raise up workers. And so he came back and was like, hey, let's start setting our alarms. And, you know, it kind of became a thing. And um, here's what I want to say. The 1002 alarm, alarm is great. I think keep your alarm set for 1002 and pray that God would do work among the nations. But I think that the 1002 alarm is good, but the 1020 alarm might be better. Remember the 1020 alarm? That's the one where he says, Oh, however, don't rejoice that the spirits submit to you. Rejoice that your names are written in heaven. The 1002 alarm wakes us up to our mission, what we're supposed to be doing. But the 1020 alarm wakes us up to worship. 1002 reminds you what to do. 
which is good, but the 1020 alarm reminds you of who you are. Salt, who are we? We are a people saved by Jesus Christ. It's who you are in God, not all the great things you will do for God. I want to just close with kind of this, this picture that has helped me understand um, in visual form of, of what I'm talking about. And, and kind of one, this is one way of looking at the gospel here as we close. Um, so I want you to think about this. Um, Galatians 2.16, we sang about it in that song, and I hope we're going to do that song again about my name is registered in heaven. That song is exactly like this talk in song form. It's amazing. So well done, Isaac. Well done, Nate, all the whole team. Okay. Um, I hope we're going to sing that again. But, but Galatians 2.16, and in that song, it thinks it talks about like I'm justified. Um, the Galatians 2.16 says, we know that a person is not justified by works of the law, but by faith in Jesus Christ. So here's the thing. If you're here tonight, and you decide tonight to uh, say, I, I want in on this. Like, I want my name written in the book of Lamb's Book of Life. I don't know if it is. Tonight, you can settle that. You can get saved tonight, and that'll be awesome. Once you give your life to Jesus Christ, receive his grace, there's nothing left for you to do. You're good. Like, you and God are good. And that's great news, right? So this is how I picture that. So this is a picture of me up here on the screen. That's me. All right. So that, that me represents the person that you see right now. This is, this is me with all of my failures, like it's just everything about me. Okay, now the next person on the screen is the me I ought to be, okay? That's, that person over there on the left side of the screen, that's the person that I should be. That's, that me on the, on the left, um, that's the me that spent like six hours praying for each of you by name before you got on this retreat. That didn't happen because that's not the me that is, right? That's the me I ought to be. Um, that me over there on the left, you guys, that me um, always remembers um, our anniversary and my wife's birthday. That me on the left, um, he never forgets. Um, the one on the right may have forgotten some of those things. Um, the me on the left is an amazing pastor. You guys, the, the, the me I ought to be is like always humble, um, always just deferring gl glory to other people, always considering others better than himself. Um, the me I ought to be is um, like spends just daily time with the Lord, has just some amazing prayer times. It's, you guys, you get the picture, right? Thoughtful, man constantly sending out cards, all that. Um, okay, here's the problem. That person on the left, I'm never going to be that person, right? 
there's always going to be this dissonance, this gap between the person on the right and the person on the left. There's always going to be this sense of me falling short of the person that I ought to be. So here's the great news of the gospel. And this is why we can rejoice that our names are written in heaven. Because that me over on the left is like super like disciplined and successful all the time and always does the right thing. Here's where the gospel comes in. Next picture. Okay. Jesus Christ comes in and justifies me. Declares me righteous. That means there's no separation between me that I am and the me I ought to be because I'm going to get to heaven and Jesus is going to say, well done. And I'm like, you must have some mistake, right? This must be a mistake. No, because he sees me through. I'm cleansed by the blood of Christ. I'm, my, my unrighteousness is hidden in the wounds of Christ, which is amazing news for me. And so next picture. So he bridges this gap. But here's the thing. Here's how I live my life as a Christian. God doesn't love the me that I ought to be. He, next picture. God loves that me. God loves the person that I am right now. That's great news for us, church. Saul Company, that's the gospel. And some of you struggle because it feels like you're always falling short. And if you can understand this reality, that Jesus loves you. In the gospel, Jesus loves you, and that means there's nothing you can do about it. It frees you from this whole performance thing. It frees you from this whole, I have to matter, I have to be successful, I have to prove my worth. And you can accept the fact that Jesus loves you where you are and not where you should be. And so, Salt Company, it's not all the great things you will do for God that are so impressive to God. It's who you are in God. It's that your name is written in heaven. The most successful thing that I have ever done in my life is not lead Salt Company, not plan a church, not be a great dad. It's the fact that I'm a Christian. That's the most successful thing I have ever done in my life. And I can take no credit for that because that was all Jesus too. That's grace. And that's what it means to be salt. Is you understand the good news about Jesus. Let's pray together. Jesus, thank you. Thank you for the gift of salvation. 
tonight and this weekend, we want to rejoice that our names are written in heaven. We want to rejoice that we know you. Lord, I thank you for this miraculous thing that you're doing in Salt Company here and in Salt Companies around this nation. And we rejoice in the miracles. It's amazing. But Jesus, help us to never lose sight of the greatest of all the miracles that we know you, that we've been saved by grace. And Lord, if there's anyone here tonight that is unsure of where they're going to spend eternity, they're unsure about whether or not they've ever made the decision to transfer their trust to you, to turn away from themselves and their own sin and ambitions. And Lord, that tonight you would seek them and find them and just bring them to the cross. As we worship, we just want to invite you to come. Jesus is welcoming you to come, inviting you to come. Let, here's the thing, let Jesus find you right now. Let him find you. Just come to him.